From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. What can you do now to make sure your affairs are in order in case you become incapacitated? I'm speaking with social worker Antonia Canuso Reiner about what's important to know about preparing for the end of life. She's a social worker at Upstate. Welcome to HealthLink on Air. Thank you so much for having me. Now, this is a topic I know a lot of people don't like talking about, but I also know it's important, maybe especially now with the pandemic. So let me ask you, how often do you see patients and families who have all their medical paperwork in order, and how often do you see people who are lacking some of those things? Oh, boy. So to have all of this medical paperwork in order, I would say, is a very, very rare occurrence, actually, here in the hospital. Um, I, I work in uh, two of the ICUs for neuroscience, um, and it's more rare to have someone have, you know, a healthcare proxy already completed, a power of attorney, um, living will. I would say it's much more um, common for, for folks to kind of have thought about it maybe in the past, but they never got around to it. Um, or they didn't really know what the difference was between a healthcare proxy and a power of attorney. Um, so it, it comes into play a lot here on our units of trying to um, figure out what to do next when they don't have those documents when they come in. Are we only talking about adults in terms of what people need to have in place before right. they are hospitalized? Right. So my advice always is if you are 18 or older, and I know it sounds really young for, you know, an 18-year-old to have some of these documents, but, um, you know, they, they still need them as well. Um, so if you're 18 or older, um, I would say, you know, they're all very, very important. So a healthcare proxy uh, is the document where you appoint someone that you trust to make medical decisions for you when you cannot do it yourself. So um, in order to do a healthcare proxy, and a power of attorney and a living will, um, you have to have capacity to do so. So a lot of people um, and families think, okay, well, you know, now my loved one is here in the hospital and they're intubated. Can we do a healthcare proxy for them? Unfortunately, at that point, it's, it's too late if they do not have capacity to do so. So these are documents that are really, really helpful to do um, before you have some type of illness or injury that affects your capacity. Um, and, you know, it's not something that's really taught in, like, high school or college or anything like that, and it's not really focused a lot on the media. So I think it's really hard for people to, to know how important the documents are because we're not really told a lot. Um, so let me ask you, someone who's mm -hmm. under age 18, a, a child mm -hmm. still technically, yeah. do, do the parents or guardians speak for them if, if something Correct. happened? Okay, Correct. automatically. Yeah automatically so they don't have a health care proxy or anything like that um, of course you know their their say in things of course matters you know we take it into consideration the hospital staff does but ultimately it's the guardian or the parent um, for anyone under 18. so if a if a person has a, a child who is 19 and something happens to that 19 year old the parents really don't have a legal say yeah 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 so even though they're you know they're very young, yes, it does um, it does change that. And if they have a healthcare proxy, then of course we go based on their healthcare proxy that they've completed. Um, that is fairly rare. So what what happens if someone does not have a healthcare proxy that dictates who they trust? New York State has set up a um, a next of kin list 
um, of how we can go down the list of who would be their decision maker. So let's say that 19-year-old is um, living with a partner. They're not married, but they live together. They share bills. They live together for you know, a decent amount of time. That person would be technically their next of kin as a surrogate decision maker. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So now you yeah. used a couple terms I wanted to get some clarification oh, yeah. on. Um, healthcare yeah. proxy and power of attorney. What's mm-hmm. What are they each and how are they different from each other? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. So a healthcare proxy form, um, they're both legal documents. I will say that. So they're both a legal document that um, physicians and people do have to follow because um, because they're legal. Um, a healthcare proxy basically lets you appoint a healthcare agent, so um, someone who you trust to make medical decisions for you. Uh, once a physician dictates that you're unable to make decisions for yourself, um, and a healthcare proxy, it takes about five minutes to complete. You don't need a notary, you don't need a lawyer. Um, you just need two witnesses uh, to witness your own signature. Whoever you appoint does not also have to be there. So um, a lot of folks think, okay, you know, my, my mom's coming in today, so we can do the healthcare proxy then. Um, or I can't do a healthcare proxy because my mom lives in Florida. Um, that's okay. They don't even have to be here. Just the actual person who's making the document and then two witnesses to just uh, witness their signature. So that's a healthcare proxy, and it goes into effect only when the person cannot make decisions for themselves. Um, so, so long as they're able to make decisions for themselves, the healthcare proxy is kind of put on the back burner because they can explain, you know, what they want, what they don't want. Um, so that's used in kind of a hospital setting. And then the power of attorney allows um, an individual to appoint an agent to help with their finances. So I look at power of attorney as financial, healthcare proxy as medical, um, and that's a good way to kind of differentiate them. Um, Power of attorney, of course, is is extremely important as well, because if you think about if a loved one does not have capacity anymore, they need their bills paid, they need, um, you know, sometimes bank statements, they need to pay their rent. Um, Most places will not let someone do that for you unless you have a power of attorney for them. So it sounds like both of these are pretty important to have. Very, very important. Yeah, they're very helpful. It reduces a lot of stress, too, when you have a loved one in the hospital um, who doesn't have uh, capacity anymore. It can be really, really stressful for families to try to navigate um, healthcare decisions without maybe having the discussions beforehand, um, and also really, really difficult to pay bills and keep someone out of um, financial hardship because they're incapacitated for a long period of time. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with social worker Antonio Canuso-Reiner. So if somebody has a will, mm-hmm. would a will cover a power of attorney and healthcare proxy? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, too. So there's two types of wills. There's something called a living will, um, and that's something that you write while you're living. So it basically allows you to leave like written instructions to say what you want and what you don't not don't want, and um, especially around end of life care. So um, again, this document only becomes effective, while, you know, when you're unable to make decisions for yourself. Um, but you can put a lot more information on it. You can, you know, just handwrite it. Um, it does have to be, you know, witnessed by two witnesses. Um, but that's a living will that kind of explains what your healthcare wishes 
are in more length if you don't want to put that on your healthcare proxy. Um, a will itself is completed, you know, with an attorney, and that's more about your assets. So that's more about, okay, so I want my daughter to have have my house, and I want, you know, my friend to have this jewelry or something like that. So an actual will is more about divvying up the assets, the property, and the money. And for a will, you appoint an executor or, or multiple executors, and they once you pass away, then a will goes into effect. I see. Now, one other term I've also heard is advanced directives. What, what is that? Advanced directive is kind of like a um, umbrella term for um, things like the healthcare proxy. Uh, the living will is under that category as well, and um, DNR. If people want to do a DNR ahead of time as well. Um, so those are kind of clumped into that advanced directive, um, which is a legal document um, that uh, assists with future health decisions. And so DNR, do not resuscitate? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, so do not resuscitate. So if someone does, if their heart stops and they do not want to be resuscitated, they say, you know, that's, that's that. I'm just going to, you know, kind of let nature take its course. Um, that would be an advanced directive that you can have in place. Um, and you can have it carried over from like one hospital to the next, um, so long as the physician re-signs that document um, and re- kind of renews it. So, how does a person make known their wish to be an organ donor? Does that mm-hmm. does that apply to any of yeah. these documents? Yes, it does. It, so, um, on the healthcare proxy, there's uh, there's a spot where you appoint your agent. You can also appoint an alternate, an alternate person, let's say if something happens to your agent or they no longer want to um, to be that, that voice for you, which is totally okay. You can also appoint an alternate who would then um, be the decision maker. And then later on that form, there's a section um, for organ and tissue donating. So you can um, say that you want to donate all or any organs, you can specify specific organs or tissues, um, or you can make it like very limited. Um, So you have kind of the power to dictate uh, what you want, even in that circumstance as well. All right. Now, the documents we've talked about, the uh, power of attorney, the healthcare proxy, the living will, Mm -hmm. are are these, do these have to be renewed or once you have them completed, they're they're good forever? So, um, so it depends. There is a, p- a part on the healthcare proxy that says whether you want your healthcare proxy to go indefinitely or if you want it to just be um, for the next month, you can say that. Um, if you don't put anything on there that says that you want it um, to stop and that it has like an end date, it goes on forever until you make a new one. So kind of just like the power of attorney, um, if you make a new one, then it will um override the prior one, just like a healthcare proxy. So anytime you want to change any of these documents, you can do that, you know, fairly easily by doing a new one. Now, all of these, we'll call them advanced directives collectively. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend that if someone is coming in for surgery, like scheduled surgery, Mm -hmm. do they need to have all of this stuff in order just Mm -hmm. in case? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would recommend that at any point in time to do one, um, before surgery is a great idea because it kind of gets you thinking about, you know, what would I want, what would I not want, who do I really trust in these circumstances. Um, even before elective procedures, as you said, I think is a great time to do it. 
Um, and the doctors and nurses should be able to do that with you um, while you're there in the office. A primary care physician can do it um, at any point when you're visiting their office. And then here at our hospital, um, us social workers, we do them quite a lot with patients, um, but nurses can do them as well, and, and really anyone um, who knows how to kind of navigate the form. Well, people don't typically carry their advanced directives and healthcare proxies with them everywhere they go. So what happens if you're in a car wreck and you end up at the hospital? How are the people, the doctors and nurses, how are they going to know that you have those documents or how do they obtain them? Right. No, that's a that's a great question. And actually, that's a lot of what we do as social workers is kind of that background investigation. So let's say um, a patient comes in after a car wreck. Um, basically, the the physicians and the you know the trauma teams will do whatever they can at that point to go forward with um, with care um, until we can find any documentation um, that says otherwise or, or speaks to their wishes a little bit more. Um, when we have a, a patient come in, um, first and foremost, we we look to um, we try to gain access to family contacts um, and talk with them about you know do you know if they have a healthcare proxy anywhere? Is there a hospital that they frequent that we can contact? Um, some people have their healthcare proxies on file at you know a hospital up north where a lot of our patients come from. So we call those hospitals, speak with their medical record department. Um, ask to see if they have a healthcare proxy on file. If not, do they have emergency contact numbers listed? Um, if someone has a primary care physician that's connected um, to their chart, we will contact primary care physicians. Sometimes people have those documents there. Um, but we have ways of obtaining them if they're at other locations. Um, and I always advise people as well, besides giving your healthcare proxy to your like primary care physician, make copies for um, the people who you appoint. So if I um, appointed you as my healthcare proxy, I would want you to have a copy of that, right? So that if something happens, you could also bring it to the hospital and have a copy of it as well. Okay. Now, I, I imagine this happens a lot too. Someone arrives at the hospital and they don't have this documentation because they don't have any of these documents. So you right. pointed out right. earlier that, you know, sometimes it is too too late to get some of this done, but but are there some things that can be done if someone's still coherent? Yeah, absolutely. If someone still comes in and, you know, even if they're going through something, you know, traumatic or a bad illness, if they um if they have the capacity to do a healthcare proxy, we we would love to do that with them. Um and, and we often offer it, you know, just just when they have just regular consults with folks, you know, asking them, do you have a healthcare proxy? on file already. Do you want to know more about it? Do you want to um, complete one here? It only takes a couple minutes. Um, so we always offer that as an opportunity um, to, you know, get their brain thinking about what they would want, what they wouldn't want. Um, and hopefully, you know, a lot of them do choose to create a healthcare proxy at that point. Because um, sometimes just being in the hospital can give you a different perspective on, uh, on how quickly things can change in your life. And so there's no cost involved to completing a healthcare proxy or a power of attorney. No, no, not at all. Unless, you know, for some folks, they prefer to go to a lawyer to do some of these documents, and that's absolutely okay. Um, We also have free legal services here um, in central New York and and other parts um, of New York State where you can contact like a free legal advice. 
and they can at least guide you through it if you feel more comfortable talking to a lawyer about that. Um, you can certainly do that, but no, they are they are free documents. Um, New York State uh, New York State of Health um, New York.gov has these documents as well. Um, they have a great um, PDF that is all about advanced directives um, to learn more about it and to get the actual documents. Now, for a person who's single, um, lives on their own, isn't really close with family, or, or doesn't have friends they feel comfortable with appointing as a healthcare proxy, you mentioned can a, can a physician be their healthcare proxy? Mm-hmm. So a physician can, however, they have to choose between one role or the or another. So they can't do both because of conflict of interest. So if you want to appoint a, your physician, um, they can no longer be your acting physician, if that makes sense. So they can kind of choose one or the other. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. how has the COVID-19 crisis impacted all of this? Well, um, it's, it's definitely changed kind of how easily we can communicate with our with our patients and their families present because we have visitation restrictions, um, especially in the beginning of all of this when um, no visitors were allowed. Um, it makes it sometimes difficult for the family to kind of be um, a support here in the hospital to get to get folks thinking about who they trust and what what they would want and having these tough conversations. Because um, a lot of these conversations often happen, you know, in the setting of when something, I guess, bad happens because it brings it to, you know, the forefront of your mind. Um, so that's kind of impacted that. Um, and then also a lot of conversations now are everything's, a lot of things are being done over the phone. Um, and I do want to point out that your healthcare proxy can make decisions for you without them being here in the hospital. A lot of people ask, oh, well, you know, can I appoint my, I can't appoint my loved one in Florida because they're so far away. Well, decision-making can happen over the phone. Consents can happen over the phone. So that kind of is just something to, to keep in mind when appointing someone. They don't have to be local. Um, but yeah, COVID just kind of just changed the dynamic, I guess, here in the hospital. Um, I think also has, in a way, um, put some perspective into things of how quickly life can change, how quickly um, societies and um, even hospital hospital rules can change. So, you know, while you can have the control and, and take some control over your health care and over your decisions, you know, it's a really important thing to do before things um before things change. Well, this has been a very informative look at advanced directives. Thank you so much to social worker Antonia Canuso-Reiner. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.